Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Also Eligibles, a podcast about horse racing where Nancy and myself, we just sit around and we talk about what picks we like for races. We talk shit, not about each other. Uh, (laughs) And we banter. And occasionally we have a guest. And tonight we are very excited to have someone that we both uh, fangirl over and adore as a friend. Caitlin has always been super, super welcoming. She's probably one of the better ambassadors for the sport uh, that I've met. And I'm super, super happy that she was able to come and sit with us for a couple of minutes tonight. So Caitlin Free, welcome to the Also Eligibles. And thank you so much for being here. Oh, you guys are the best. Of course. Happy to happy to be here, obviously. Um great friends with you guys love the way you two have just kind of molded into this industry made friends everything and just happy to be here happy to talk racing and just everything in between Woohoo! i love it nancy how are you doing tonight how's law school going hey it's good we just got done with uh civil procedure so oh okay that sounds intense Uh, i didn't do anything well you know if we're gonna stick in line with what we're doing right now ladies i want you both to know that i'm not wearing pants so (laughs) yeah this is the beauty of zoom Streamyard, google meet like i am if i were a man i'd be free balling it right now and i've never been happier so (laughs) so caitlin tell us where you have been you have been doing some amazing things over the last year so excited to have seen you at Colonial Downs, which is my home track. And you had an opportunity to, uh, I don't know the, you know whether this gets me canceled or not, but I love Glenn Youngkin. And so when I saw you interviewing him, I was like two of my favorite people on the same screen. Woo! <laughs> so what was, what is that experience been like? Cause it seems like you're being put in front of more and more big names. How do you feel about all that? Um, I really, really enjoyed it. First off, uh, Glenn was great. He loves horse racing. He made a lot of money that day. I handicapped some with him. He picked um, uh, the horse that won the secretariat for Steve Asmussen, whose name is slipping me at the moment, Higante at a million to one because the horse was a Virginia bred. And he was like, you know, what better of a way to kick off these races and to see a Virginia bred win this race. And I mean, the horse completely changed tactics and won. So good for him. Um, Super exciting, but I mean, um, really awesome to get his take on what thoroughbred racing in the industry means to the state of Virginia uh, with colonial getting bigger and bigger and getting grade one races, not to mention the Virginia Derby that they already have that is so popular. Um, The sport is just continuing to flourish there. And, um, the family of Penny Chinnery and everyone that has surrounded Secretariat for so many years is also, you know, fueling this industry. They're going to be uh, building a new type of museum for Secretariat in Virginia where he was born. They have the new statue that's there. So just lots of really cool things going on in the state of Virginia when it relates to racing um, at the moment with Colonial and other places. But Colonial, um, I was a little bit hesitant about going, I'm not going to lie, because I handicapped Colonial, but I had never been there. I hadn't heard a lot about, you know, the area that's around the track, but it was more than a pleasant surprise to me. Um, I love the racing. I'm a big fan of turf racing, and that's pretty much all they've got going on there. Their turf course 
is awesome. It's the best in the country without a doubt. Um, the riding colony is fantastic there. And the people, I have never felt so welcomed at a racetrack than I did Colonial with the people of Virginia. Um, just shout out to everybody at that track, whether they're from Virginia or they've came from other places. We have a lot of people that came in from Arlington, Sam Houston, that did work. They did a phenomenal job with this big meet. And I'm, I'm just so proud to have been a part of it. That's amazing. And was Jason Bean working there with you as well? Yes, he is the race caller at Colonial. I believe this is his third year, I want to say. At I think Colonial. So. Yeah, I think it was his third or fourth year at Colonial. Third, I believe. Um, but yeah, and he was going back and forth as an analyst with me some. Jason and I have been friends for over 10 years. Um, mm. And he's worked for Twin Spires for a while, but this was our first time like working face-to-face -to -face together. I mean, obviously I had met him multiple times in person, countless times actually um, since then, but this was our first time working together, which is kind of hard to believe because I've probably known him since about 2010-ish, which is, you know, a while. But um, yeah, he was, he was great. He really helped me get to know that circuit very well. Mm. And he, he's, you know, he's a friend and it's easier when you get to work with friends. That's awesome. Well, I don't know if you know this, but Jason Beam is my horse racing boyfriend. And <laughs> I tell I tell everybody who even gets within like the ballpark of saying his name, they could just be like, you know, Jason. But and I'm like, yeah, you mean my boyfriend? Yeah, he's my boyfriend. <laughs> um, he doesn't know it. But <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just I think he's amazing. And so again, when I saw you two working together, I was like, these are two of the nicest, most competent people in my favorite state. You know, it made me kind of want to go home for a little bit and visit the track. So um, I, I was just so pleased to see you there. So you think Colonial Downs might be the next big thing? Is it I climbing think so. its way up? I, okay. I think so, because I think um, really the only problem I think that they're working on is getting a closer um, place to quarantine for mm -hmm. international runners because there's not really any close place for those horses to quarantine and it is such a big track with just these big sweeping turns it reminds me so much of european tracks and mm -hmm. with the arlington million the beverly d and the secretariat as well as the virginia derby that's going to attract a lot of international horses and i think right. at a track like uh, colonial has a chance to get back kind of to the million of old the way it was at arlington um with the way that track is set up so i think as long as they have a place for those horses to quarantine it's going to really really catch on uh we had a few come from out of town but definitely could use a few more but certainly i think it's going to be races that continue to catch on um i think they're going to maybe be able to add some more dirt stakes racing there because i mean their turf course is phenomenal but their dirt track is amazing too and oh, i really yes there's so many people that don't know this um it's only by a fraction, but Colonial is the second biggest track in the country. Just a, it's just a few feet smaller than Belmont. It's a mile and a half track. It's wow. huge. So I would highly recommend visiting it. It's, it's awesome. It, okay. Like I said, it just completely blew me away. But yeah, it's certainly a place that is going to be very much on the come up. 
I love that. My mother's going to owe you a cup of coffee. Any reason yeah. to get me back to Virginia? She's <laughs> happy about that. So I'll have to say, her, Mom, I'm coming to see you. Going to see Colonial Downs first, though. You um, Caitlin, did you feel there was a different vibe of the Arlington Million at Colonial versus uh, Churchill? Because I know we were, I know you weren't working yeah. that day, but. You know, I got the privilege to hang out with you, which was super fun. Um, so did you feel like there was something something different, better? Um, what was your take on that? Well, I think it's still going to be an adjustment for a lot of people because there's still a lot of people um, that are uh, upset with, you know, Arlington not being a track anymore, which I understand. But I'm just super grateful that, Churchill was able to preserve these races and find a home from them for them that's appropriate. And it was always my understanding that the intention for them was always to go to Colonial. Once um, Churchill had purchased the Colonial location after it had been revamped and they had revamped the track that, you know, obviously the planning with Arlington had to go into place, but for these races to be re relocated, it was always my understanding that Colonial was going to be their destination uh, they just weren't ready to be at Colonial on such a short notice. Last year, it was there was too much work that had to go into planning for it. Um, so this is really the first year for them to settle into that new type of a home. I think this is a very appropriate track for it based on the way the track is set up. Um, it really caters to all types of turf horses. And I think there's so many, you know, cool races you can put around it and Colonial just has the infrastructure to handle it. Um, my observations were, it's going to take a little while for some for it to catch on with some of the locals the way the Virginia Derby has. But as far as the racing people, I think a lot of them were pleasantly surprised with how well it worked out. Wow. I didn't even know that that was happening. And I didn't know that you two met. So I'm on the outside of <laughs> we, that now. We've actually hung out. Yeah. A couple few times. times. Yeah, yeah, a couple times. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, good to know. Um, yeah. Nance I'm, and Caitlin, I'm getting a little jealous here. I'm going to have to get you guys out <laughs> to Vegas at some point. Um, oh, I love so Vegas. Oh, what? perfect. Good to know. Um, so, Caitlin, what's next? What are, where are we going next? What are we doing next? Going to be back at Churchill. I'm enjoying a little bit of time off right now uh, with Keith going you. on. Yeah, I still do some of the expert picks with Twin Spires that I rotate with Scott Shapiro and Joe Christofek, just as we do with every other Kentucky track. And I do, you know, Colonial and I do some of the international uh, expert picks for Twin Spires as well. We're still handling all those duties right now because we do the whole Kentucky circuit, you know, as a three person mm -hmm. team, but I just don't have you know, the responsibility to be reporting at Keeneland. That's not to say I maybe won't venture out to Keeneland in the next three weeks that they're running just as a fan. Um, mm -hmm. I'm probably maybe going to do that when I have to be back in town the last week, but I'm just, you know, taking some time off right now, spending time with my family, my boyfriend, oh. my pets, and just, I, I guess, just enjoying being a fan at the moment and just, having doing some fall things we're going to the pumpkin patch and a corn maze this weekend but i will be back at churchill at the end of the month for us to get our november and uh, thanksgiving meet started girl i love seeing you at churchill it was like you were <laughs> born to be at churchill it's nice to place. see you on that track yeah I, it, it's it definitely seems like it is your home base it is without a doubt especially you know belonging to 
the Churchill Downs and the Twin Spires location. That's our big place. That's our big track. That's the hub. The Kentucky Derby obviously is the centerpiece of all of it. But I mean, these two fall meets are really, really fun. Um, They're challenging because you're getting horses from Saratoga, Kentucky Downs, Ellis, Keeneland, Colonial, and Hawthorne, everything in between. So it's just a melting pot of horses, you know, getting ready for the Breeders' Cup, getting ready for Keeneland, getting ready, you know, for those winter tracks. A lot of those horses you see turn up at Turfway or our sister track, Fairgrounds. So just there are meets that you really want to pay attention to, like looking forward to the rest of the year. Oh, yes. Uh, Caitlin's our queen of Turfway when I get to <laughs> visit her. So Nice. So you all have just been going everywhere and I've been slammed with work. I'm getting a little jealous here. Um, I want to move us into the race that we that we decided to handicap with Caitlin, because Caitlin, when you get Caitlin in your presence, I feel like you have to handicap with her um, because of all her knowledge. And and you're incredible. You and a couple of other people, when you speak about pedigree and connections, it feels like I'm, I'm learning so much. That's the geek in me. But then the other part of it is I'm totally fangirling. It's like, how much can I take away from what Caitlin is saying? And unfortunately, I think, you know, horse racing must be in your blood. I don't know that I'll ever be able to catch up. But the race that we're looking at tonight is the Queen Elizabeth II race nine at Keeneland. And so, Caitlin, what were some of your initial thoughts on this race? It's interesting. Um, there's not a lot of horses I see in this race at first glance that I think want to go a mile and an eighth. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> not a lot at all. Um, some of them are longer prices that I think do. And I think that's kind of, you know, maybe a warning point where you see a lot of big names. Uh, Maj, for example, who is the morning line favorite, I think, up there at two to one. I'm looking at it. Um, yeah. It, it's, she's been off since May when she won the 1,000 guineas over Tahira, who is without a doubt the best female runner uh, in Europe right now. Um, she beat her in that race. That was the last time Tahira has lost. I don't think she wants to go a mile and eighth, period. That's an eighth of a mile longer than she's traveled. She's very good in a mile. Um, she could mm-hmm. stretch out well to a mile and a 16th, I would say. Um, she's going to have to be head and shoulders above this group to win this race, and she very well may be. But this is just a starting point for her because the ultimate goal is the Breeders' Cup mile. So I would proceed with caution there. Um, Lindy, who's now under the care of Brendan Walsh, that had been running really good races in France behind Blue Rose Sin, who's, I'd say, the 1A to Tahira's 1 over in Europe right now. Both of those horses are incredible. Um, Lindy was doing very good work with her, very comparable, I think, to the talent, a level of Maj. He doesn't want to go a mile on a mile and eight either, I don't think. And I'm guessing that she's maybe springboarding perhaps into a similar type of a race. So those two, I would proceed with caution. It, it wouldn't shock me if they won because they're both so talented. But I think, you know, you kind of have to look to a horse that would maybe benefit a little bit more of wanting to actually go uh, that mile and an eighth type of a distance. So mm-hmm. it kind of makes me think of maybe the three horse or the two horse at three to one elusive princess um, that was transferred over to Arnold de la Cour, won the uh, 
Saratoga Oaks going a mile and three sixteenths under Flavian Pratt last time out very, very easily over a couple other horses that are in this race. I think she wants to go to the distance. Uh, Arnold De La Cour is one of my all-time favorite trainers. He does mm-hmm. so well with his uh, turf um, and synthetic horses. I think she fits his program really, really well. And she obviously has done well under his care. She's been working well here. She's had a couple of months off since that. He didn't run her at any of the big races at Colonial. Um, so she's one that I think has a chance to run really, really well in here. And then maybe to point out one of the other international runners that I think has a chance to run well, uh, Elunda Queen under Luis Saez for Jean-Claude Roguet. He doesn't yeah. ship over here often at all. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know what the bigger picture is for her. She's obviously not over here just for this reason. I'm thinking it's probably going to be the Philly and Mare turf. She's definitely mm-hmm. a horse that I think can stretch out beyond a mile too. She likes softer ground. So if there is some rain in the forecast this weekend, which I'm thinking there could be as it starts to cool down, because it's going to be close to 80 in the next few days here in Kentucky, then it's going to get really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So if we have some softer ground, I think she's got a chance to run really, really well. So do you think Alunda Queen, do you think she's going to be bet down quite a bit? Because she's 10 to 1 right now. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if enough people know about her because I still think that um, Elusive Princess is going to take some money. Maj um, and Lindy are going to take a big chunk of money. So I don't... It's tough to say. You could get anywhere from 10 to 8 to 1, but it wouldn't surprise me to see her maybe 5 or 6. But I I don't think that she's going to be any lower than that. I wouldn't think. But Mm -hmm. she's had three really really good last hot races she's really you know taken a step forward when she stepped up to the mile and as she's gotten a little bit older um but there's a lot of horses in here that i just don't think want to go a mile and an eighth that i think some of them are maybe in here for preps and then i know um there's another horse in here that's 20 to 1 that you kind of highlighted which is prerequisite uh for mm-hmm. the chad brown barn she wants to go a mile and an eighth so that's my pick <laughs> because for me, Caitlin and Nancy, my first choice was uh, Alunda Queen, and mm-hmm. I go I go down the p the pp, and then I get to prerequisite, and I see that Irad Ortiz is jumping on, um, or st- excuse me, staying on, uh, and actually came off of Liguria. Yeah. So I'm wondering is does Cox think that Irad is going to be able to get prerequisite to where, you know, she needs to go? Um, in addition to that, this horse has been ridden by more top athletes than a Kardashian. If you look, <laughs> <laughs> she really has like Irad Ortiz, Pratt is ridden her, Rosario. So to me, that implies that Cox thinks this horse has a very bright future. And the fact that, you know, she's at 20 to one right now makes me very curious. So I'll probably try and construct some kind of ticket with a Lunda queen and prerequisite on it. Cause I love this horse because it's a mystery. I want to figure out why 20 to one, you know, do you have any feedback on that? Cause I would love to solve this puzzle. She's got a great chance in here. And Chad Brown has had an awesome, awesome meet so far uh keeneland's kind of just his thing i a little bit cooler than i would expect at this point but he's also kind of doing double duty sometimes he's in new york sometimes he's here 
Um, let me look if there's any other horses he's been on besides those two. I don't think so because there's so many mm-hmm. coming coming from other places. I think mm-hmm. maybe that's why this horse isn't as favored on the morning line right now is because there's so many international horses, you know, currently. Um, I don't know why Liguria is five points lower than this one is, especially with this horse, you know, just missing right. in a grade one at a similar distance and is a grade two winner at the distance. I'm not really sure why that is. I think maybe because she kind of threw in a clunker last time out at Saratoga, which there's not a lot of horses that like Saratoga. There's some horses Mm -hmm. that love it. And I think you have to take anything period coming out of Saratoga on the turf with a grain of salt because the turf was just so wonky the entire meet. So I think you kind of have to almost draw a line through those races. She looks pretty darn good. If you throw out the Saratoga race last time out um, on ground that she clearly didn't handle. That being said, I don't think you'll get 12, 20 to 1. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a nice dream. Uh, yeah. But that would mean I feel like if she does get bit, bit down, you know, um, significantly, at least I was on the right track and my handicapping was in the right place. So we'll see. Nancy, how about you? What are you thinking? Um, I'm going to do – I was looking at the 9, Heavenly Sunday. I know it's a long shot, but – 30 to 1. Yeah, it's a. She's got the experience. Oh, I got my Cox mixed up. That's why Gorgo called me out. It's Chad Brown and Cox. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, um, I like the nine, and then I also like uh, to elusive princess. Okay. What is it about elusive princess that you like? Um, I was just looking at overall, like out of the international horses, seemed like would have a good shot. I could be wrong. Um, as I kind of first looked at this earlier today, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, those, would be, those would be my two. Caitlin, I just have a couple of questions about this race in general. It mm-hmm. seems like the field is overwhelmingly. Um, foreign. I don't know the appropriate way to say that in horse racing. I don't think there's really a formal way to put it. Right. So it seems like the the race is overwhelmingly populated by foreign horses, but then you do have Safine, you have Ligura, you have Lindy, you know, what makes this race in particular ideal for both our homegrown and our friends from across the pond and in Europe? I just think Keeneland overall is a good track for international horses. And I think most importantly, a lot of these horses in this race, you see a lot of more international runners in this race every year because maybe they want to get a start under their belt heading toward the Breeders' Cup. That's certainly the case uh, with Maj. I would Mm -hmm. imagine it's probably the case with Sounds of Heaven, uh, Elunda Queen, and maybe a few others in this race. I'm mm-hmm. not sure where they would stack up against some of the other um, horses being run. I know I saw Lunda Queen's um, name with the Philly and Mare If I haven't seen um, Sounds of Heaven yet, but she obviously could be there. And they're bringing riders also over here to ride these horses. Um, that was my next question. Yeah. So they're, they're here for a purpose. And I don't think it's just a one and done, hey, we'll go back after this unless they perform poorly. I think... The Breeders' Cup is probably um, the next step for these horses or other complementing races here. Uh, that being said, this race does attract a lot of international horses every year for that reason. Um, I remember mm-hmm. 
I want to say it was three or four years ago, I came to this race um, because I thought it was maybe going to be one of the only opportunities I would have to see a runner uh, for the queen in the flesh. Um, mm-hmm. Her horse actually ran second in her race here in the United States. Really? Yes. So, Ooh. and that was for uh, Sir Michael Stout. So there are lots of horses that do come over for this race because of the way it falls on the calendar. Wow. And like I said, it was very fortuitous that we asked you to be on tonight and <laughs> that this particular race was coming up because I remember one of the things that Andy Villanueva, um, the producer whom we love, uh, one of the things that I remember him stressing to Nancy and me was Caitlin knows her international horses. She <laughs> is one of the best. And so how did you get involved with handicapping horses, you know, outside of the U.S.? Because I'm still trying to figure out, you know, so many things for our horses here. Well, when I first got into racing, um, there was obviously a lot of cool stuff going on with racing. Um when I got into it with U.S. horses, but I was really captivated by a few international runners at the same time that I just kind of discovered on social media at the beginnings of their career that really um, I related to and I wanted to follow because they were better than what we had here in the States at the given time. And that was Frankel, um, Black Caviar, and a couple of horses over in Japan that were running that um, – Turns out to be uh, Frankel is actually the greatest horse I have ever seen run in my time as a racing fan. And I think he will probably remain that maybe for as long as I live. But he really got me started with international racing. And I've just kind of been spoiled ever since. With I think, you know, the whole thing about Americans, not just in racing, but culture in general, is we can learn so much when we broaden our horizons. Right. And I just feel like I've learned so much from international racing and how countries do things, you know, and I think that's something that's really helped me a lot relate to U.S. racing is because I can see how other countries do it, how they handle horses differently and just kind of appreciate different aspects of the sport. I have a good friend who is Australian and she owns um, an aftercare farm I guess in Australia where they take in thoroughbreds and one of the the things that she's always talking to me is about excuse me is how quote-unquote dirty American racing Mm -hmm. is and that it is far cleaner in Britain in Australia the horses are better looked at based on your research and understanding of horse racing you know on other continents would you agree hard to say Mm-hmm. Um, in general, cause there, you know, I think there's a lot of information that we're not right. ready to in all aspects right. of racing, whether it be here or other places, mm-hmm. but there's definitely some countries where horses are looked at maybe a little bit differently and, you know, people, I guess, care a little bit more about their purposes after the track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a lot more common for horses to be seen you know being able to be used for riding and other purposes whether it be ponies on the track quirk of the course any of it um in other countries because i think honestly we have so many other breeds of horses here because that's what they use a lot of quarter horses for 
And quarter, quarter horses, you know, they race too. But I think there's just so much an abundance of horse population here in the United States, not just thoroughbreds, that yeah. there's a stigma around thoroughbreds amongst the horse community that's not more geared toward racing people. They think thoroughbreds are hotheads. They think they're crazy because, you know, they're accustomed to life on the track, which if you've been around OTBs, there's some that can be that way. But thoroughbreds are so smart and easily adaptable. They're so athletic that most of the time that couldn't be further from the truth. So I think Mm -hmm. there's just maybe a little bit of a stigma here in the United States that they don't have other places around thoroughbreds. Okay, one last question, unless Nancy has anything else she would like to say, but I'm curious, what horse right now would you love to see run? Like you'd love to be on the apron at the track, cheering it on. Oh, that's a good question. Um, Equinox. Ooh, why? I think he's the best horse in the world right now and truthfully i would like to see him but there's a specific race i would like to go to um i'd like to go to the japan cup this year um to watch him and there's a filly that's running over there that's going for the triple crown this weekend her name is liberty island and i think she's probably the only horse in the world that can hang with him and they're going to lock heads in the japan cup so i'd really like to see that um honestly the breeders cup is going to be really interesting this year there's really no real standouts in mm-hmm. any of the divisions. And I think those races, you know, to be seen in person would be really, really exciting. I would have said a flight line maybe, but I was able to see his last race. So I was able to check that one off the bucket list. Nice. Okay. So Equinox, got it. Yep. All right. Nancy, any last words? Anything for Caitlin? Doing good? No, no I'm good. I'm always, uh, right. every time Caitlin speaks, whether it's on, uh, you know, simulcast or anything. I'm always like, I'm, I'm like always tuning in. She just has all the, all the knowledge. And when I go on to Inspires, I see Caitlin Free's top picks, and I'm definitely looking at those. So, gonna have them back same. tomorrow for Caitlin. I know there was over the weekend you had a top pick that I bet on. I can't remember, but I won like 35 bucks. I, I hope it was the worst in the first race. Yes, yes, it was. Now that I remember, that race was nice. a total. That race was a total toss-up, and I was like, man, this horse just makes some sense in here. I'm not sold on a horse coming in from Hawthorne at Keeneland versus a horse that's done okay at the Kentucky tracks. So I just try to evaluate that form a little bit, and I think that's why um, it's important to pay attention to multiple circuits because that stuff comes in handy. Oh, yes. <laughs> nice. Well, Miss Caitlin, are, are you planning on going to Japan? Is that a hope or – no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, that's no. too bad. I am fascinated by how the Japanese treat their horses. It appears as if they truly cherish these animals. They are almost worshipped in a sense over mm-hmm. there. Um, along with sumo wrestling and baseball, horse racing is probably the most popular sport over there. And mm-hmm. there's... There have been some things, you know, in the 80s and the 90s that happened in Japan with some bad actors and horses that met a not nice fate. But, you know, if horses can't be here in the States and they're, they are up for auction to be sold, that is the best place for them to go because they are treated nicer than people over there. I can attest to that. Um, <laughs> and they just a state of the art program they have over there that the fruits of their labors are really coming into play. But I mean, 
I don't I, I don't think that there's a lot of bad places for horses to go in a place like Japan, you know, knock awesome. on wood. It's not always true with some other countries, but yeah. I, I think horses are definitely safe over there and a lot of them come back. That's another thing that's cool about it. Oh, I love that. All right, Miss Caitlin. So we'll be waiting to see you at Churchill. Until then, we will be enjoying your your picks and selections and input from Twin Spires and hopefully getting to see some more pictures of Stormcat on your Twitter, <laughs> excuse me, X, uh, your X platform. And so please go look for Caitlin Free on X. Uh, one of the best people in the game uh just wonderful every time i see your face on twitter i'm like this adorable bitch look at her <laughs> um so <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and always always we love you and whenever you have a minute we would love to have you back so well i absolutely always have time for you guys we love you okay <laughs> so you get to bed caitlin Nance, you get home from law school, and I'm living in the past, so I still have a couple of hours before I get to go to sleep. So we will check in later. And again, thank you, Caitlin Free, for joining us, and we will talk soon. Everybody have a good night. Thanks.